1: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook.
0: And I'm Aaron McMahon.
1: On today's episode, we will be talking contract extension for Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. The Wolverines also beefed up the recruiting department and softball season comes to an end in NCAA regionals. Aaron, how are we doing on this Tuesday morning, early afternoon-ish?
0: Good. Enjoying the weather. It's been warm and sunny and, and the like. It sounds like it's gonna get colder here in the next week or so, but summer at least looks like it's it's here.
1: Yeah, I mean it's especially yesterday. The humidity was in, in full force. And but yeah, I mean it's it's golf weather now, so you got gotta like that for you. I know it's more like running weather, but uh if it's not raining or, or super windy, it's it's golf weather for me. So it's great to see. Great to see. Andrew is not here. I think he's on a little vacation. This week, so uh, just a little bit of a two-man pod, but a-, a lot to talk about, and we'll we'll start off with Josh Gaddis, uh, who will be or s- signed a, a contract extension. It looks like he's going to be sticking around in Ann Arbor for uh, a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, quietly, and and I say that because Michigan hasn't announced this. They've obviously had a ton of changes with the coaching staff this this off season, offensively and defensively. Uh, Michigan did, in fact, confirmed you know a few months ago that they had re-signed and re-upped certain assistance, but they I, I never saw Josh Gaz mentioned. Uh, so I decided to, uh, for better word, for for lack of a better words, go fishing. Uh, a, a FOI, I put in a FOIA request. For those unfamiliar, that's a Freedom of Information Act request. It's for any any. Really, any citizen or public official, you can you can access the records if you if you go through the proper channels. Anyway, I, I, I inquired about Josh Gaddis's contract situation, and I got back a new deal. He apparently signed last month during the month of April. I don't know what day because the date isn't filled in on this thing. Either way, it was it was entered into agreement April of twenty twenty one. Between Gaddis and the University of Michigan, it basically replaces his original deal. Now, when he first got to Michigan in 2019, he signed a three-year deal. We reported it at, about it then. Uh, it was a three-year deal that paid him $900,000 annually, plus a slew of bonuses. This basically taxed on another year, so it's a it's a new deal. Uh, it covers this 2021 and, and 2022 and 2023. So he's he's in line, He's going to be here for. Excuse me 2021 and 2022 it's a two- year deal. Uh, it extends him a, another year and it, it, it makes him eligible for a pay increase and, and next year for uh, he's going to go from 900,000 a year salary to a million. This was coming up on his final year of his original deal. Uh, there were some questions of whether or not he'd maybe you know stick around if, if they would want him back. Because look, if you look at his tenure so far, it hasn't been anything spectacular. He came in in 2019. Michigan had a loaded team at the time, at least offensively. They kind of they fell flat. I mean, they went nine and four. It was fine, I guess, by most standards. But they they couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't compete for a Big Ten championship, uh, and they had to settle for that. Uh, last year was obviously kind of a you know disrupted by the COVID 19 pandemic. Still, the offense wasn't anything spectacular. They struggled to find a quarterback. The running game stuttered, sputtered at times. They had injuries. They had guys opt out. So it was a big, it was a big mess. So I I think this contract extension is interesting. And we'll probably get into discussion here in a minute, but it's noteworthy nonetheless because. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, you know, Michigan just didn't say anything about it.
1: Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to gauge why Michigan would have wouldn't announce that when they've announced a million other hires and extensions this offseason. You wonder if um, they were a little bit of afraid, afraid of a little bit of blowback after some of the results in the first two years. I mean, yeah, you mentioned that 2019 team. I mean, all five of their starting offensive linemen that that year are, are in the NFL Um, They had had some receivers that, that were playmakers. They had a quarterback who was a former five-star and yeah, like you said, I mean, ranking 44th nationally in scoring at 31.7 points per game is nothing to, to really write home about when, when you're Michigan Um, 68th in yards and and turnovers kind of played them throughout the year. So last year, you kind of have to give the mission a little bit of a, a pass there. I mean, losing Nico hurt completely revamping the offensive line injuries uh, inconsistent quarterback play but it it's it still um we'll see how how this contract plays out but it was, it's still a little bit surprising to me and kind of shocking that they haven't announced this yet so we'll we'll see how much confidence mission actually has in in Gaddis, or if it's just like the kind of under the table show me deal and we'll see
0: yeah, you mentioned the the, the twenty twenty season, how that may be used as a pass. And I, I do think that's part of that here. I, I don't think as a whole, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is gonna hold that against him a ton. Now at the same token, you you can flip the script here and say, well, he used a 2020 season against Don Brown and decided to get rid of him. Um Gaddis, I, I still I still think There's a there's a there's a ceiling to be broken here. I do think Jim Harbaugh clearly believes in Josh Gattis. He talked him up a lot when he hired him back in 2019, and I think to necessarily you know cut the rug underneath out from underneath him this early, I think would probably be a mistake or probably be it looks like a mistake in Jim Harbaugh's eyes. And I think that's one of the reasons why he did give him this extra year. It's obviously that, and then there's there's another factor there with recruiting. I mean, if, if Gattis only has a year left on his deal. Gaddis has done a pretty good job of recruiting and bringing in top of the line receivers and helping identify key players on offense. I think that would probably kill some some of the momentum that Michigan has picked up or or had here in the last couple of years with Gaddis on staff. So that's probably another reason for it here. You know, you don't want Josh going into this 2021 season You know, as a lame duck, so to speak, with less than a year on his deal, because then recruits start to wonder, Gaddis starts to wonder, and none of that. But Gaddis starts to look elsewhere. You know, is there a job opening somewhere else? Does a does a a, perhaps a head coach? You know, it's no secret that Josh wants to be head coach at some point, as probably most assistants and coordinators do. But if if a job were to open up and and for Josh, you know, obviously that would be more attractive. So I think it's a two prong thing here. I don't necessarily think this is based on results clearly because they just they just haven't been there yet, but I, I do think the, those two factors probably played in played in here.
1: Yeah, you, you made the comparison to, to Don Brown, and I don't think that's, that's 100% p- fair because Don Brown has been here for, for a while now, five, six years, and he was able to get his recruits, develop his recruits. For Josh status. a lot of these guys are are still underclassmen that he's brought in and haven't had a full time to, to develop. Now, two, three years from now, if we're still talking about the same issues that, that have kind of applied in Michigan, then, yeah, then the, those points are fair. So we'll see. If, uh, if Gattison kind of turn around this offense, they have brought in a lot of offensive weapons here, highly touted offensive weapons um, from high school. We'll see if they can develop them. But yeah, I mean, at, at some point, even starting in 2021, I think you need to see um, some positive strides forward to, to, to justify this, this contract.
0: Yeah, as I said, you know, this 2021 season is going to be key for for Gattis and Michigan's offense as a whole because look, G- Jim Harbaugh did bring in some new assistants here on the offensive side of the ball. You know, you got Mike Hart running back, running backs coach, he promoted Shrone Moore to offensive line coach and co-coordinator. So there's there's a lot of show me things that need to happen this year and next, uh, especially for Gattis because you know, anything less and you start to wonder how long this, this thing can keep, how, how long Jim can keep this train on, on the track, so to speak. So yeah, I think it was, it was imperative to do this. I don't think you, like I said, I don't think you cut, cut the rug out from underneath them this quickly, but I, I do think results need to come soon. Noteworthy in this contract and it was in his previous deal. Um, there are a couple of incentive, uh, you know, uh, bonus incentives for Josh Gaddis here. Again, these were the these were similar in his previous deal, so it's not a ton of they're not a ton of changes. But there's an ability for him to make more money here. Uh, he would receive a $100,000 bonus if Michigan finishes in the top two in scoring offense in Big Ten. Notice that's top two and not top. I thought that was pretty funny. And then and then he would receive another $100,000 bonus if Michigan's scoring offense finished in the top 10 in, in the football bowl subdivision, FBS, Division 1A, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then for every win Michigan gets over eight in a season, he gets another $50,000 per win. And that's capped at $200,000. So obviously there's ability to make more money here as, as it was in his original deal. So it's further incentive for, you know, him to kind of get things going and and hopefully, you know, for Michigan, uh, you know, win a few more
1: games. We're both into into sports betting here. I mean, if you had to handicap the the odds for Gattis hitting these, these two bonuses to finish top two in the big 10 and, and top 10 in, in FBS, what would you, what would you set those odds at?
0: Oh gosh, I, I don't <laughs> think there's a shot Michigan finishes top ten in FBS at least, especially in 2021. Uh, I don't think it happens in the Big Ten either. Now, I, I do think there's decent, you know, possibility they could get top two in the Big Ten next year, 2022, if they can get things going. But there's just so many, as we've talked about, there's just so many unknowns. They they don't have the quarterback situation figured out yet. The offensive line is still work in progress. The receivers are still work in progress. So. And I've said this before: with the defense, and it's it's some some degree the, the truth. Of the offense, they they're going to have some take some time to get things going here. This twenty twenty one season isn't going to be uh, great by any stretch of the imagination. At least I'm not expecting it to be. Uh, I expect there to be a lot of bumps. So I, I don't. I realistically, I don't see him obtaining any of those. You know, in twenty twenty one, maybe they get to eight wins, maybe nine. I think that nine would be best case scenario here. But he's. I don't see him getting any of these bonuses here here this fall.
1: Do you know how Gattis' contract or salary compares to other offensive coordinators in the Big Ten? Or
0: it's right around around the same. I mean, you've seen Ohio State; they they, they pay about a million dollars, and that's becoming the norm here in college football. I mean, you're seeing top of the line offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators top a million dollars a year. Some are, you know approaching 1.5 million now Michigan obviously isn't in that position to do that just yet. And again, there's still that show me status with Gaddis. He still needs to prove that he can be a top of line co- uh, coordinator because look, here's the reality. When, when Jim Harbaugh offered him the job a couple of years ago, you could make an argument Josh Gattis was underqualified. Yes. He was co-offensive coordinator in Alabama, but he didn't call the plays. He wasn't in charge of the offense per se, uh, so this was really a, a growing opportunity for him. This was a Jim Harbaugh believing in him, trusting in him and giving him the ball, so to speak, or the keys of the car and say, hey, show me what you got. Now, I don't think Josh Gass has fallen on his face by any stretch of the imagination, but he certainly isn't passing with flying colors either. So that's where we kind of stand right now going into 2021. Jim Harbaugh is giving him another year in his deal. So he's got two years left. And I, I think these are going to be the show me years. He has to do something. He has to move this Michigan offense into the top of the line, you know, the upper half of the big 10, upper quarter of the big 10, and get them to that point where they can be competitive, you know, with the Ohio States and, and, and the like in the East.
1: Hey, we'll have a little bit more football discussion here later in this podcast, but let's switch over to the softball for, uh, for a bit. They were uh, started off the the NCAA tournament last weekend. And uh, obviously a lot discussed last week about how they were kind of just dismayed by the replacement and not being able to host host the regional and had to travel all the way out to Washington. But I think if anyone gets a chance to complain, it should be the reporters too, that had to cover them all the way out in, in the Seattle regional. I mean, Final game in the in the regional on Sunday night started at 11.10 p.m. local time. Didn't end until about 2 a.m. So, I mean, there's no – I don't know what the NCAA was thinking there scheduling it that late when, when you have an Eastern team in the regional. But I'm sure a lot of Michigan fans weren't able to, to see Michigan play, at least in that winner-take-all game. But to recap – Michigan went into Sunday in control of the regional after, starting two and Um they beat Washington two to one on Saturday, the second game of the regional to give, get two opportunities on Sunday to beat them again to advance, but uh, weren't able to do so. They lost uh, the first game on, on Sunday night two nothing and then lost again, 10 to five to end their season. And it was, uh, there were some good games in this, in this regional. I mean, especially early on, Mich- uh, Michigan's Megan Bobian threw a no-hitter against Seattle to, to start it off, and Alex DiRocco finished or backed that up with a, a three-hitter and a two-to-one win over Washington on, on Saturday. So a team that has been, relied on their pitching all year um, had them kind of carry them for the first two games, um, and then Washington had a win again on Saturday night after losing to Michigan to stay alive, and then they win two more games against the Wolverines Sunday, And they will be advancing to the Super Regionals. And uh, yeah, I mean, Washington is a team that was finished top five in the coaches poll rankings, um, but only earned the 16 overall seed. So it was a tough draw for Michigan um, in the first place, having to travel across country. But I mean, they battled hard in in the deciding game, went up five to one in, in the second inning. Um, and you were thinking, all right. I mean, with with Michigan's pitching staff, which was number one in in ERA in the entire nation, all they gotta do is, is shut shut Washington down and even had a little bit of a four-run cushion to play with, but gave up seven runs in the in the fourth inning. They they had only allowed seven runs in one game all season heading into regionals, and they give up seven runs in one inning against the Huskies. And after a hot start offensively, they managed just one hit the final five innings against Gabby Plain, who threw over 200 pitches on, on Sunday after pitching Friday and Saturday, too. I mean, she's w- one of the three finalists, finalists for softball player of the year, so a dominant pitcher in her own right, but tough way I'm for the always end.
0: I'm always amazed that these softball pitchers can throw so many innings and pitches. It's just like they throw them out there game after game after game, and there's, like, no wear and tear or no injury or, like, anything. It just – it's pretty – It really is
1: incredible. I mean, this – Debbie playing through over 300 – or over – 200 over 200 innings this year and, and uh, they don't really have a, a co like Michigan does with Starocko and Bobian I mean they rely, have to rely on playing for all the heavy lifting and and she didn't see I mean she settled in after giving up you would think that after Michigan hit her hard early on in the in that winner take all game that all right maybe they'll, they'll bring in a different look but they stuck with her and and she settled down. So fortunately for Michigan, their their season ends in the regional for a fifth straight season, not including last year's COVID year, but yeah, overall, I mean, they they dominated the big 10 finished 38 and eight, still a, a pretty successful year. And I, I still do think they deserve to host. Maybe it's a different story if they're, if they're playing at alumni field and maybe they're moving on, but again, like, like Hutch says, you can only control your controllables. And unfortunately Michigan didn't, have any say in and where they went and, and fought, but their run ended in the regionals.
0: I was, I mean, I didn't pay too much attention, but I was kind of surprised to see them win their first couple of games just after, you know, the the emotion of the selection show and the travel out west, and you wonder how they're gonna to react to that and you know the the jet lag and the like. And I, I was I was surprised they came out one first of all, that they kind of snaked their way through pretty easily, and then you know it seemed like everything kind of caught up to them at that point. You lose two straight, you drop, you know two in a row in the same day to the, the host team. It's like, it, it's gotta be, if you're Carol Hutchins and it seemed like in her comments afterwards, she seemed a little frustrated and just bothered by the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think she was especially bothered that that they had to travel all the way out there to Washington. And that's tough to adjust into the time difference and playing super late at night. And uh, yeah, but like you said, I mean, I, I had a good feeling that they would win their opener. I mean, Seattle and Portland State, the other two teams in the regional, I mean, they were only there because they won their conference tournaments. They can't repeat against Michigan and Washington. I mean, that wasn't very surprising, but yeah, to come out and, and to shut down Washington, like Stracco did in game two, it's like, all right. I mean, you could tell this team kind of had that chip on their shoulder and they were trying to prove the committee wrong. But again, like you know, Hutchinson after the game, I'm like, I can't imagine many teams beating Washington on, on Sunday, they were that good. So even in that seven run inning, they started off with a home run, but a couple Plays there. Michigan did not make the right play defensively, throw into the wrong base instead of taking it out. Kind of just snowballed into uh, kept to keep the inning alive for Washington. And when, once it was ten to five, it's like, oh man! I mean, it's already past midnight in, in the East. It's like, man, it will be tough to come back. And unfortunately, they weren't. So, but overall, a, a pretty successful season. And spring sports aren't completely done yet. Baseball had they're setting the last series of the season. This past weekend lost two or three to Maryland, and they are now out of the Big Ten race heading into their final series against Nebraska, which has wrapped up the, the Big Ten. So it will be a tough test for Michigan to end the year. I think regardless of what happens, though, Michigan should still be able to earn an NCAA tournament berth, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what they can do with it. But yeah, like, like we said, we'll, we'll get back to football here. And, and the, the Michigan continues to, to make additions to the, that recruiting department, Aaron, what, what do you make of the, the two latest additions here?
0: Yeah, we, so I guess we'll reset everything, but we've, and we've talked about on the podcast, Michigan has, has hired Courtney, Courtney Morgan to kind of lead over, like it serve as the CEO, so to speak of the recruiting department. And you've got kind of like two leaders underneath him, you know, and Jarrett McWayne. Um, And A'shawn Larkins are kind of heading up, you know, uh, recruiting and scouting. But yeah, Michigan, the last week or so, has added two more names to the staff in kind of ancillary roles, so to speak, go with the most recent hire on Monday. So yesterday, Michigan announced the addition of Sydney Sims. She's going to head up strategic communications and branding for the recruiting uh, recruiting staff. Uh, She comes to Michigan from Notre Dame, where she kind of did a similar role. She headed up social media for the football program and kind of managed student-athlete branding. She's a Pittsburgh native, went to Youngstown State. And then also last week, Michigan added a, uh, another, another person of the staff, hopefully I get her name right, Christina DeReuter. Um, she is going to be director of on-campus recruiting operations. So she's going to be kind of in charge of organizing the on-campus visits and communicating with parents and staff and, is, and kind of acting as a lia- liaison there. It's unclear how exactly these cha- th- these roles change from what Michigan had before, but here's here's the reality of the situation. They're adding. There are more bodies here in the staff. They're growing. Um, I think part of that, and I think we've talked about this in the past, but part of it I think is because of the incoming pending NIL legislation that the state of Michigan is, you know, figuring out. Congress is trying to figure out. And the NCAA is trying to get their hands around. Um, but you're going to I think you're going to see it at recruiting, you know, programs across the country, whether it's football, basketball, these schools are beefing up the recruiting staffs and their folks, the folks kind of in charge of branding and business management to try and get their their hands around all this, uh, to try to be prepared and ready for it. I don't know if they're going to be, I don't know if they'll be prepared, you know, prepared enough, um, but it's going to be reality going forward. Uh, Programs are going to be adding people. I would suspect that Michigan's going to continue to add some names here going forward, maybe add some more recruiters. Uh, recruiting staff members. So we'll see. You know, it's important to point out here with these folks that they're adding. Many of them can't leave campus. They're pretty much, you know, in charge of, you know, they're, they're sitting behind the scenes, so to speak, and organizing and, you know, setting up visits and directing traffic, so to speak. Um, but they're not actually going out and doing the actual recruiting. That's obviously still in the coaching staff. They still need to go out and talk to high, talk to players at schools and go to camps and the like. And, you know, and you can talk about this more. But you know, things are really going to start picking up here once once June first rolls around,
1: correct? Right. Yes. Yes, very much so. And, and yeah, I mean, what this does though, it allows the the coaching staff, it frees up more time for the coaching staff and doing some of this grunt work. Um, It it takes away of, of evaluating and talking with these kids about the actual football instead of the, instead of having to go through the tedious work of getting the grades in and, and, and and finding the right host, official host for, for these visits and, and keeping kids and parents informed on the academic side now these new additions on staff can kind of handle that work and, and the the coaches can talk more about how they fit into the the team schemes and 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 football fits as well so I um, a lot of Blue Bloods already have this this model already in effect with having a director of player personnel with like Courtney Morden and a director of recruiting now with A'shawn Larkins. Is that before I feel like there was too much responsibility just on Matt Dudek yep, and exactly. and now they're starting to spread the the workload around and I think it will free up some of the some more of these coaches to to dedicate their resources better. So I I think this was long overdue for Michigan. And like you said, this is going to be a very busy month for Michigan beginning June 1st. There's going to be over 20 prospects visiting here, including players that are already committed, including a lot of their top targets. I mean, this is when, especially now that they're at the dead period lasted over, over a year, I mean, this is where you have to hammer home these relationships and then really hit home runs on these official visits because there's going to be a lot of competition out there. And right now, it's a little bit – Mission's 2022 class is a little bit on shaky ground. Do They have seven commits still, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe there's already been quite a few decommits with all these changes on staff. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's a couple more. So it it will be uh, be interesting to see what happens here in the next month. It's
0: really important to point out. It's been, what, 14, 15 months? Nearly 15 months, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) since a coach could meet a recruit on campus and walk them around and talk to them and see them in person and the like. I mean, ever since then, it's... Everything's been over Zoom or phone or FaceTime or whatever. Now kids have on their own with their families and just on their own gone to campuses to kind of walk around and look at. But technically, coaches weren't allowed to meet up with them or interact with them in person because of the, the, the NCAA mandated dead period. So that's the, it's it's this is going next month, June is going to be an opportunity for Michigan's new look coaching staff, their new look recruiting department to kind of establish their philosophy. And their way of doing things, and hit the ground running with recruiting. You know how well it turns out, we'll see. You have to think that there's there's some good things to be had here, but they got to get some momentum going here. And I think that that's where the in the you know the in person visits, on campus visits, you know, to campus in Ann Arbor really helps Michigan. Because look, reality situation is Michigan's campus is fantastic. It's beautiful. They got facilities that are top notch. You got the stadium. You can take them to. Uh, there's a lot of good things they can show off. And I think that's In the city
1: was, of Ann Arbor. I mean, you mm-hmm. you can't get a better college city than, than Ann Arbor. There's not many out there like it too.
0: Exactly. So it's, it's going to be a, a needed, well-needed month for Michigan from a recruiting perspective, but also, like I said, an opportunity for this new staff to kind of put their boots, boots on the ground and establish things and, and establish a way of, of doing things.
1: And, and another, I like going back to the, the Sydney Sims hire for, for a second, I think a key, word there in, in her title is, is branding. And I think with, with that NIL bill coming, I mean, she's going to play a crucial role in, in making sure these recruits feel like they, they have a good chance at building up their personal brand at Michigan, because that is going to be a, a monumental selling point for these kids now um with, with that NIL bill coming down the pike. Um, so she's going to play a, a very important role here uh, moving forward because the, the landscape of recruiting is going to be ever changing as we know it. And so we'll see, I mean, I even some of the recruits I've talked to, they've, they've mentioned how how important of a factor branding is and, and they want to come here and build their brand. So, and I think with Michigan, having a, a, a big brand in itself with the block M and the history and, um and the big house, I mean, it kind of sells itself, but now these, these kids want to kind of sell, sell themselves. So, We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be crucial to the NIL thing. I think folks when, when you think of players making money, it's it's the you know, they think of like, you know, commercials and you know, advertisement and the like, and that's fine, but like social media is gonna play a huge factor here, especially with this younger this these younger kids. I mean, Instagram is huge right now, Twitter's big, there's money to be made on Facebook. There's there's different ways they can go about making money and, and brain, branding themselves. And I think that's like you said, this this Cindy Simps role is going to be crucial. I think, and it's and I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan adds some more folks here going forward. I think they're going to have to beef this beef this thing up. I would not be surprised if these players go through some type of training this this off season, the summer, in terms of you know taking you know getting advice and 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 the, and the like. But again, until we know what this NIL thing is going to look like. It's still, it's, there's still lots of, there's a lot of unknowns because, you know, Michigan's NIL bill isn't isn't technically supposed to go into effect until the end of next year, end of 2022. Yet you've got some states in the South that are ready to pull the trigger here shortly. So, and meanwhile, you got the NCAA trying to to, to lobby Congress to have a one size fits all thing for the entire country. But until we get kind of a, you know, a, a national thing, this is going to be interesting next, gosh, 6, 12, 18 months.
1: Sure. For sure. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up today's episode, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, Aaron.
0: No, I'm good. Everyone uh, enjoy the week and, uh, and thanks for listening.
1: Yeah. We should be having another one here later on this week. So check back on possibly Thursday or Friday for uh, another podcast from yours. Truly Wolverine confidential. Thanks and have a great rest of your day.